0: WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Laden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, Talking the News with Noah on 77 WABC.
1: Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Laden on this Monday kicking off a brand new work week. August 21st. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast. Kick things off. It's partly cloudy this morning. We've got temperatures in the low 70s around the tri-state. Later today, it'll be sunny. 89 today's high with a mostly light breeze. Later tonight, mostly cloudy. 66 the overnight low. And then tomorrow, Tuesday, mostly sunny. 80 where we top out. Wednesday, more sun. Again, getting up to 80. It's 70 degrees in midtown Manhattan. 71 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. 68 in Eastport on Long Island. That's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Had a nice weekend. Hope you did, too. A friend of mine and his wife came up from Washington, D.C., a college friend of mine, visited. And his brother actually lives in Newark, uh, now a professor at a nearby college. So this friend of mine knows a little bit about Newark, has spent some time there. And I was kind of giving him the business, like, oh, why would he live in Newark? You know, why why Newark? Meanwhile, I live one town over in Bloomfield, New Jersey. So here I am kind of, you know uh downplaying the area in which I live. So he said, actually, the Newark Art Museum is really nice, and there's a little brewery right near there. So that's what we did on Saturday. It was a beautiful day. We went to the Newark Art Museum, and then we went to this brewery afterwards. And I guess it kind of brought to mind that sometimes you might need a friend, an outsider to remind you what's right in your own backyard. And I will go back to that brewery in Newark. Art Museum was very nice as well, but definitely going back to the brewery. All right, let's get into our top five headlines here. The top five at five. All right, well, you're going to have to open up your wallet a little bit wider here because the new MTA fare hike took effect yesterday, and that applies to both subways and buses. Two fires raged in Brooklyn yesterday, leaving three children seriously hurt in one of them. Hawaii Governor Josh Green, highly critical of the emergency response to the deadly fire in Maui. More victims are being identified in the death toll officially at 114. In Southern California, dealing with its first tropical storm in over 80 years, plus earthquakes. Finally, a new tent city is up on Randall's Island in order to house migrants. A protest unfolded on Staten Island this weekend in response to a potential shelter there. Surprise, surprise, our own Curtis Slewa was arrested. So, New York City subways, buses, and commuter trains now cost you more as fare hikes for the MTA took effect yesterday. Riders say it's really hard to stomach a price increase for shoddy service. Fares should be going down. They're dirty. They smell. Yeah, I mean they do. As a matter of fact, smell most of the time. Subway trains, at least buses. I don't know as well. I don't take them quite as often. But the bus, uh the base fare, I should say, for subway and buses now up from two dollars and seventy-five cents to two ninety. LIRR and Metro North fares have also jumped four and a half percent. So, I mean, surprisingly to no one, riders aren't happy with this.
2: I have no idea where it all goes into someone's pocket. Maybe they should look and see what they're really wasting the money on.
3: Price is going up too much. Your paycheck is not increasing.
1: And you heard uh, Frank Marano talking about this in the overnight program, the other side of midnight. Basically, you know, this is all while congestion pricing remains an unknown. At some time soon, probably in spring of next year, you're going to have to pay up to $23 just to drive into Manhattan south of 60th Street. So whether you want to take the more expensive subway, more expensive bus, not necessarily find that service to be reliable, and then also you know, maybe you prefer to drive, well, that's going to start to get more expensive, all while the MTA recently had uh, hikes for the tolls at bridges and tunnels. So, you know, look. Life's expensive, especially here in New York. That's not surprising to anybody. But I think the whole thing with the subways is they just are not a great product most of the time. You know, you don't know uh, how reliable they are most of the time. You know, they're not clean. You heard that person talking about it. And at the same time, now you're paying more. So people not happy. Two fires raged in Brooklyn yesterday, but it does not look like they're of the e-bike battery variety, at least not at this time. You know, that's something we're really keyed into here In the newsroom, because we've seen so many of these e-bike fires, these lithium-ion battery fires that have broken out at spots around the city, and the FDNY has even gone so far as to go down to Washington, D.C. and lobby for legislation on that. But in these fires, not entirely clear what happened to cause them to break out. But in one case, in Brownsville, it was an apartment fire, and three young children are now in critical condition as they got trapped in a room. This was around 11 o'clock yesterday morning, and basically what authorities are saying is that the... Children's father left them alone. Mom was supposedly at work. Dad, I guess, was supposed to be watching them, but he wasn't. The FDNY's chief of department gave some details as to what firefighters went through during that rescue.
2: The door was locked. Uh, the three children were inside. There was a pretty heavy fire condition inside, so our members had to force the door open,
1: crawl in, They found two of the children in the living room, and one they found right behind the door. They were all unconscious. It was on the 14th floor of the building. Three children, aged four, five, and eight, home alone at the time. Their father has been charged with three counts of endangering the welfare of a child. Like we said, not exactly clear what caused that fire. The other fire was in Williamsburg, and you know, thankfully less serious in terms of uh, the injuries, a six-alarm fire. Nine stores were destroyed overall and 10 firefighters were injured, two seriously. But according to reports, none of these injuries are life threatening. And this fire in Williamsburg broke out shortly before noon yesterday. A small sh- row of shops on Lee Avenue, what were burned out. This was near Hooper Street in South Williamsburg, a chocolate shop, shoe store, and toy store among the businesses that were gutted as a result. And again, as in the first fire, no immediate word on what may have caused them. But, I mean, at least right now, we're not hearing that it was lithium-ion batteries. And so often here, that's what we're hearing about with these fires. So more to talk about, sadly, with the deadly wildfire on Hawaii. President Biden will be there today, along with First Lady Jill Biden. WABC News Time 509. James Flippen filling in for Noam Layton this morning on the 5 a.m. news hour. President Biden... First Lady Jill Biden set to visit Hawaii today for the first time following the devastating wildfire in Lahaina. A number of residents there are angry over what they see as a inadequate federal response. The Bidens plan to meet with first responders and survivors they will tour areas impacted by recent wildfires that have killed now at least 114 people. And I say that with some emphasis because officials estimate that roughly a 1,000 people are still missing or maybe unaccounted for in some way. And there's even speculation that, again, this is speculation, that officials are more or less kind of keeping that death toll lower than they know it to actually be because everything is just so devastating and tragic there right now that maybe they feel people can't almost handle the truth regarding what that death toll might actually be. But again, that's conjecture at this point. There's also hope that there will be more people found at some point. The blaze that tore through the town of Lahaina on the island of Maui is now the deadliest wildfire in modern U.S. history. And we heard plenty from officials over the weekend, including Hawaii Governor Josh Green, who held a press conference on Friday night. Then he went on CBS's Face the Nation over the weekend and said that Hawaii has had as many fire emergencies this month as it had during a 50-year span. And Green at times has kind of alluded to or directly mentioned climate change with regards to these fires. But one of the biggest issues and sources of controversy right now concerning what happened in Hawaii or what didn't happen in Hawaii are these sirens they have. This this siren system, you know, that's really designed, I guess, to alert people to potential tsunamis. And there was a deadly tsunami in 1945, I believe it was. Um, Maybe it was earlier than that. It was definitely in the 40s, sometime around World War II, where there was hundreds of people killed or around 150 people killed in a tsunami there in Hawaii. So they installed this siren system. Uh, They tested every month. People that live there say you hear it all the time. And the governor, Governor Green, is basically saying now he wishes those sirens had gone off for the wildfires, even though they're not typically used for that purpose. The challenge has been that historically those sirens are used for tsunamis. Uh, That's when I came to Hawaii 23 years ago was told when I was living down near the shore so it's usually tsunamis and hurricanes of course I as a person as a father as a doctor, I wish all the sirens went off so reviews are underway regarding why the sirens didn't go off like we said major source of controversy there in Maui and on social media there's been you know tons of speculation tons of intrigue as to what really happened here right you talk the deadliest wildfire in U.S. history, a lot of people are going to ask questions. And some of that's gone into the more conspiratorial, like, you know, were some kind of special energy weapons used here? Was this a land grab where uh, hedge funds and super wealthy individuals want to buy up the land on Hawaii? Is that potentially, you know, part of this? But it's starting to sound like what's starting to emerge is a narrative of a disaster waiting to happen, potentially coupled with some seriously negligent mismanagement. I listened to a podcast over the weekend interviewing a journalist who's on the ground there in Hawaii and recently spent some time in Lahaina on Maui. He talked about how information is almost like what people need the most. In other words, supplies are getting there food, water, blankets, clothing, all that. But information is what people in Maui are having a hard time getting. And there is a new report, by the way, talking about don't drink the tap water in Maui. So it's not like everything's fine there. They've had power restoration efforts uh, that have struggled to get back online. You know, cell phone uh, reception is spotty. But whether or not the alarm should have been used, officials with emergency management there in Maui say it would have been confusing. Because the thought is when you hear these uh, sirens, again, mostly tsunami alarms, you run to high ground. So the official response was, Oh, you can't play these sirens. You're going to be sending people to their death, running to these elevated areas where the fire was burning intensely. But with the intense wall of flame and all that smoke that was there in Lahaina, we heard about, you know, people running towards the water and having to run in the water because it was so hot and intense. It doesn't really make any sense that they'd all of a sudden be saying, Oh, we got to run up towards the fire. I mean, come on. So at least it sounds to like to me and others, that what happened was maybe there was a really legit fear from officials that if they ran that siren, people were going to essentially run to their death. But maybe that fear outweighed some of the other thought process. And we told you they're saying don't drink the tap water right now in Maui. There's been power restoration slow to go. Governor Green says really they're just trying to make life as livable as possible for the survivors there. Speaking on CBS Face the Nation, Josh Green said a priority is making sure everyone's sheltered. Green said more than a 1,000 people are still unaccounted for, and he painted a grim picture of the recovery effort. He said 85% of the land has been covered, but searching buildings could take weeks. Green acknowledged that some remains might be impossible to recover meaningfully and that there are some people who will be lost forever. I'm Mark Mayfield. And heavy rain is expected to come into the area, too, over this week here, which when you're talking about the burned out ash of people's bodies and, you know, trying to recover those remains, pretty difficult to begin with. But then with all this rain that's falling or about to fall, it might make it ultimately just sort of impossible. And right now, like they're saying, 85% of the scorched area has been searched, but over a 1,000 people remain missing. So we're going to find out either way in the coming days exactly what's going on uh, with the potential for an increasing death toll in Maui. WABC News Time, 5.15. It's time to check in with Justin Ellick, executive producer Justin Ellick, who's what? got our sports update here on a Monday morning. What's On up, a Justin? Monday, no
3: less. You're really top, top of mind, James Flippin. That is sharp stuff on a Monday morning. We will start here in the Bronx. Things actually managed to get worse for the Yankees over the weekend, getting swept by the rival Boston Red Sox after losing 6-5 to in yesterday's finale. A Justin Turner ninth-inning go ahead double after an overturned call at the plate in the eighth were the deciding factors. In the latest loss for the Yanks, who are now the owners of an eight-game losing streak, the extent of which hasn't been seen in the Bronx in 28 years. Here was manager Aaron Boone following the game preaching a, quote, one-day-at-a-time mentality. He
0: always got a chance. Uh, we're in a big hole, though. You know, so, uh, you know, but you can't even get big picture about it. You just got to no. tackle the next
1: day. I mean, that's Stupid. what we're in right now. Yeah. Where we're, you know, really scuffling, and it's that's it's one up. step at a time. Yeah. Like, that's that's so far out there, and we got to go on a run, you know, that Fake it's Zeus. get ready for Tuesday.
3: Some kind of run it would be there, Booney. The Yanks now sit at 16-64 60 overall and are nine games back of Seattle for the AL's last four wild card spot after an off day today. They're welcoming the Washington Nationals into the Bronx for a three game set starting tomorrow night. As for the Mets, a seven to three loss in yesterday's finale against the Cardinals soured a weekend where they took three of four from, uh, from St. Louis. And while the Mets came back down to earth, Pete Alonso did not hammering his 39th home run of the season in the fourth inning to give New York a brief lead. Not much else will come out of the bats from there on out as the Mets will take the loss into a three game series with the Braves. Set to begin tomorrow night in Atlanta following an off day today. And over the weekend, starting on Friday night, actually, James, the Giants beat the Carolina Panthers preseason football at MetLife on Friday night by a score of 21-9. to And on Saturday night, the Jets falling 13-6 to to the visiting Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also news, uh, Aaron Rodgers will get his start against the Giants in that final, or not his, he will get his Jets debut in that final preseason game against the Giants. So, yes, round of applause. For That Sports, James, on 77 WABC, I'm Justin Alec.
1: Thank you, Justin. And, yeah, the Yankees have not finished under five hundred since 1992. Wow, there so you go. Do you think that's going to happen this year? Yeah, I do. Really? I actually hope it happens, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. we we'll to keep it I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm
3: hoping for the absolute worst. Just, just, ab- just burn just, it all down. A, a Titanic-like collapse. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Let's all right, just I, I can it. respect that. Yeah,
3: why not? You, the Yankees and the
1: Mets—they can do it together. Exactly right. Hold hands. All right, <laughs> all right. That's Justin Ellick with Sports WABC News. Time five twenty. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden on the WABC five AM News Hour. So Deanne Criswell is the head of FEMA. It's a busy uh, few days for her here as she's dealing with the wildfire fallout in Hawaii. She actually is supposed to visit there with President Biden today. And she spoke on CNN State of the Union this weekend about how the FBI, the Department of Defense, they've been brought in to help account for the missing there. And I alluded to, you know, some people on social media have talked about how they're worried that this death toll in Maui, 114 officially, is really much higher. Well, Criswell, like we said on CNN this weekend, said that with all that's going on there, cell reception is really spotty. Information on the ground is hard to come by. It's a very rural area there in West Maui. Essentially, the hope from officials, and here's Criswell, is that people that are still missing could be in shelters or other makeshift shelters of some kind.
4: They could be that they are staying with family and friends, and, and we haven't been able to contact them yet. There's a lot of different reasons on why people are unaccounted for.
1: Criswell is also dealing with the fallout in Southern California following Tropical Storm Hillary, or Tropical Storm Hillary, that's still lashing the southwest with heavy rain and the potential for life-threatening flooding. At last check, the National Hurricane Center clocked Hillary's maximum sustained winds at 40 miles an hour, churning about 75 miles northeast of Bakersville, California. The heavy rainfall also has the potential to spawn tornadoes, in California, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah, images on social media have showed significant flash flooding in spots, especially in Mexico's Baja, California, where the street in one video was basically transformed into a muddy, ranging river that was sweeping some cars away. So more than a 1,000 flights canceled yesterday, over 5,000 delayed, and that's, again, because of Tropical Storm Hillary there on the West Coast. And Southern California, while they were bracing for Tropical Storm Hillary, as if that wasn't enough, Residents of Ventura County were shaken by a moderate earthquake. It was a magnitude 5.1 quake that hit yesterday afternoon, centered near the town of Ojai. No reports of injuries or significant damage, but it certainly shook people up. And uh, that was as that storm was kind of like making its way into the region. So KABC was broadcasting as that earthquake hit. Chief, I'm really sorry to interrupt you right now. Uh, our we our are. studio is shaking right now. So not only are we dealing with a tropical storm, but it appears we are now dealing with an earth- um,
3: Just went off on everyone's phone.
1: Okay. Yeah. so do uh, do have an alert coming up. People out are now. receiving
4: alerts on their yeah. phones at this moment.
1: Nate runs the bar at Ohio Beverage Company. He says bottles were flying off the shelves. Got a
0: bunch of our uh, wine
3: and alcohol and all that stuff. A $900 bottle of
1: tequila. Ouch. The magnitude 5.1 earthquake. It rolled in around 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon. And experts say Ventura County was hit with multiple aftershocks as well. But Nate, who we just heard from, his restaurant was pretty busy at that time.
3: All the customers have got their food to go, and then you know they wanted to go home and check their home.
1: It all started out pretty slowly, apparently.
3: Roly started like thunder, and then it was just super rolly. <laughs>
1: Eric Scott, a fire captain with L.A. County, explains what it means when authorities go into earthquake mode.
3: What that means is all 106 neighborhood fire stations leave their fire station. They drive in their first-in district,
1: the area surrounding there, and they look at predetermined target hazards. Basically here, the belief is the quake did little to no damage around L.A. County. Back in our area, a new migrant tent city opened on Randall's Island. Congresswoman Nicole Malliotakis is now calling on the Staten Island D.A. to drop charges against people who were arrested at a protest over the weekend on Staten Island concerning migrant shelters. More than 200 raucous demonstrators were rallying outside a former Staten Island nursing home yesterday. The former Midland Beach nursing home, which is a 288-bed facility, plans first emerged to potentially use it as a shelter last year when it was about to be sold. That's per a report from the Staten Island Advance. And people were there chanting, close the border, protesting the possible conversion of Midland Beach into an emergency shelter for migrants. Guardian Angels founder, our own WABC Curtis Slewa organized the protest and was among about a dozen people who got arrested for blocking traffic. By the way, in terms of milestones, that was Sliwa's second arrest in less than a week, also related to uh, migrant facilities. That first arrest would have been at Creedmoor, psychiatric in Queens. This was, again, in Staten Island. And artist and conservative commentator Scott Labaito was also arrested. He was there. He made a huge banner showing Mayor Adams holding up a severed Lady Liberty's head. So that was part of the protest there. And sticking with the migrant issue, nearly four dozen What are being referred to as asylum seekers are being evicted from the Buffalo State University campus today. That's according to a statement. Forty-four migrants have been living at the school since May as part of a temporary housing solution. Dr. Myron Glick said the decision from the university was, quote, influenced by prejudice. Buffalo State says they're attempting to work to find more permanent housing for those migrants. Some more news coming out over the weekend in the ongoing Hunter Biden saga. Reports from the New York Times and Politico were talking about a collapsed plea deal. Apparently, Hunter's attorneys threatened to put President Biden on the stand as a witness during those legal proceedings, and that reportedly led to the collapse of the plea deal that Hunter was supposed to agree to, um, But which was later you know, basically dissolved amid objections from the judge in the case. But according to these reports, the prosecutors involved in the case against Hunter were not comfortable with Biden potentially being on the stand, given how that's pretty messy because Biden technically heads up the DOJ. But that's, of course, not the only thing that President Biden is dealing with in terms of kind of, you know, bizarre legal situations here. He's continuing to face allegations of using fake names or pseudonyms while allegedly associating with Hunter Biden in connection to some of his son's business deals or visits connected to potential business deals. And Kentucky Rep. James Comer last week asked the National Archives to provide him with documents related to the names that are allegedly uh, were used by Biden, including Robert L. Peters, J.R.B. Ware, Robin Ware, and we'll see how much that story develops as this week continues. All while former President Trump's legal trouble continues, he's supposed to turn himself in by this Friday, At Fulton County, Georgia, that's a Georgia case where prosecutors allege conspiracy to overturn the 2020 election. Otherwise, as for later this week, it appears you can count Trump out for the GOP debate.
2: Former President Trump reportedly skipped the first Republican primary debate on Wednesday. The New York Times reports he'll sit down for an interview with former Fox News host Tucker Carlson on the same night. Trump, who was considered the front runner for the GOP nomination, previously signaled that he might not take part in the debate, citing his huge lead over GOP rivals. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News.
1: WABC News Time 529. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning on the WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So, in no way would I ever try to steal Justin Ellick's sports thunder here. But this is a sports story that's not really sports related. Former Mets outfielder Tommy Pham finds himself embroiled in some controversy after a fan posted video to social media. Fam, by the way, is now with the Arizona Diamondbacks, part of the Mets sell off this year. They were playing in San Diego over the weekend, where his new team, the Diamondbacks, and that's actually where fam used to play, by the way, one of the stops, anyway, in San Diego, where he once slapped a fantasy football teammate across the face, by the way. That's Jock Peterson that he hit. And the contention in this situation, there's some back and forth, was whether or not a fan, while fam was on the on deck circle, whether or not that fan called fam a piece of S. Go strike down. go strike out. Go It's
0: down. always funny, we always
2: got a go, white man. So white man out. Like oh, we uh, just Now respond. it's right, in some kind of way. Now it's right. because race. you know what, a black man yeah, or a Latin no, don't, don't do that, don't that
1: race. Race. Fam is generally sort of maybe a hothead type dude, kind of a chip on his shoulder, and the fan interaction in baseball is always very unique. You know, there's a lot of downtime for these players that are standing there in the on deck circle, just kind of like swinging the bat and stuff. And fans, more often than not, they sometimes have things to say. So that's how it went. Anyway, when we come back, an update from that crazy plane lady. Also, Mayor Adams, we've got a travel recap or update on what's going on with the mayor and what's the city doing today about opioid deaths. That and more. When we come back on the WABC News Hour, it's James Flippin filling in for Noam Lane
0: the 77 wabc news hour talking the news with noah laden on 77 wabc common sense with bill o'reilly study from the conservative media research center says news agencies continue to flee the hunter biden story weeknights at nine after the great one mark levin Listen to Rudy Giuliani every weekday at 3.55 p.m. for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Mayor's Final Thoughts. Rudy gives his insightful, most candid, and important final thought of the day on topics affecting our community, our nation, and you. The Mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation, Mayor's Final Thoughts, weekdays at 3.55 p.m. on 77 WABC. Hi, it's Cousin Brucie with a poem about the WABC store where you can get jackets and bags and mugs and oh so much more. Buy great books from your favorite WABC host, or maybe it's the WABC hats you'll love the most. Leggings and jerseys and towels to keep you dry. Cousins, go to wabcradiostore.com and order on the fly. Oh my! Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Laden. All the news you need to know. With Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah. On 77 WABC.
1: Good morning, James Flippin' filling in for Noam Layden on this Monday. It's a brand new work week, August 21st. Let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Partly cloudy this morning around the tri-state. Temperatures in the low 70s later today. It'll be sunny. 89 the high with a mostly light breeze. Later tonight, mostly cloudy, 66 the low. Tuesday, mostly sunny, 80 the high. Wednesday, more sun. Again, getting up to 80. It looks like it should be a nice week. 70 degrees in midtown Manhattan. 71 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. 68 in Eastport on Long Island. That's the weather forecast for the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So it's been one of the big viral news stories here for social media over the last few weeks. The woman behind that mother beeper is not real is rebranding herself.
4: But I am telling you right now, that mother******, that mother****** back there is not real. It's
1: a Dallas woman who was seen on a viral video getting kicked off an American Airlines plane. It later emerged that her name is Tiffany Gomez, who is known by many as the crazy plane lady. Earlier this month, she apologized for that outburst. She said, distressed or not, she should have been able to control her emotions. And some reports say that there was some sort of a dispute that broke out concerning AirPods. Maybe she dropped her AirPods on that plane or something like that. She referred to the many memes and jokes online that have emerged. She said some of them have been amusing. Others have been invasive and unkind. And at the time, she promised to move on with her life and make something positive out of the experience. Well, now she's back on social media. She posted a new photo shoot over the weekend. It shows her sitting on what looks like a nice kitchen floor. Maybe it's a nice wood floor. And the caption reads, one moment doesn't define you, but it can define your purpose. That was on Instagram. It included some hashtags, self-love, empowerment, motivation, and stay tuned. There were some responses, including one user who said, woman of the year, 2023. Staying with social media, Elon Musk says X users formerly known as Twitter, will no longer be able to block accounts except when it comes to private messages. He
4: wrote in a post Friday announcing the key safety feature would be eliminated. Musk has made big changes since acquiring Twitter last year for $44 billion, laying off employees, reinstating banned accounts, and most recently rebranding it as X. He did not give a reason for getting rid of the block function or say when it would take effect. He noted the mute function will continue to be available. I'm Julie Ryan.
1: And repeating our top story now, you are paying more for subways and bus fares here in New York City. Tolls recently went up on bridges
2: and tunnels. Now it's going to cost you more to ride in New York City's subways, buses, and commuter
1: trains. The fares
0: should be going down.
2: They're dirty. They smell. The base fare for subway and buses going from $2.75 to two ninety. dollars 90 LIRR and Metro North there is also jumping 4.5%. It all comes as the tales continue to be ironed out on the MTA's controversial congestion pricing plan, which could charge drivers Entering Manhattan below Sixtieth Street, anywhere from nine to twenty-three dollars. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC
1: News. James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden on the 77 WABC 5 A.M. News Hour. A small plane crash on Fisher's Island in New York is under investigation. It was on Friday when the flight from Martha's Vineyard to Montauk began having engine trouble. Fortunately, the pilot and two passengers on board were not injured. And, by the way, Mayor Eric Adams was supposed to be up in Martha's Vineyard this weekend, but that event was canceled. It was a big fundraiser at Martha's Vineyard, canceled kind of last minute. Apparently, many of the city's black political establishment had flocked up there to the New England Oasis. Not clear why it was canceled, part of the mayor's bid for a 2025 reelection and some fundraising efforts. By the way, uh, we know that the mayor has taken off and headed for Israel. He's spending today in Jerusalem and tomorrow in Tel Aviv, planning to meet with local and national leaders to learn about Israeli technology, along with planned discussions on efforts to combat anti-Semitism. The mayor does plan to be back in the city on Thursday. WABC News Time five thirty nine, James Flippin filling in for Noam Laden this morning. So we mentioned that Mayor Adams is visiting Israel and learning more about technology there. We know one type of tech the mayor is very into are drones. Well it's not known how Adams feels about this then. The New York State Assembly may look to limit the official use of drones.
4: Face masks are once again required at two hospitals under the Syracuse Upstate Medical System, University and Community General. In a memo, the hospital reimposed the mandatory mask policy for patients, staff, and visitors. COVID testing is also required for all patients being admitted to the hospitals as well. The hospital cited an increase in COVID cases among staff and hospital patients for the precaution. The policy will be reviewed again in three weeks. I'm Liz Radibali for WABC News.
1: All right, that's not the story I meant to play there, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, as COVID cases are on the rise, that mask policy is in place there for Syracuse, that hospital. And speaking of medical concerns, a fentanyl death awareness event is being held today in the city in Times Square, 10 a.m. this morning. It is National Fentanyl Awareness Day, and organizers say all are welcome to come and educate themselves concerning the fentanyl crisis, the Event will also be distributing an over-the-counter naloxone nasal spray, which the FDA recently approved. And, you know, naloxone can reverse the effects of an opioid overdose or poisoning. There's also an event in Brooklyn being held tonight at NYPD Youth Center. And if you've been riding the subways recently, you may have seen these. The city has an ad campaign that's running that's printed in multiple languages, and it's aimed at kind of raising fentanyl awareness. It's got pictures like three little baggies of white powder. And the question will be, can you tell how much fentanyl is in these? Because we can't. And then there's one that's got like a little tiny, you know, pinhead or pen or something. And then this white substance on the surface, a tiny little dot. It says this is enough fentanyl to kill several people. Um, So, you know, that synthetic opioid fentanyl is killing a lot of people right now. And they're holding an event there in Times Square this morning, like we said. And this is something we reported over the weekend. Fans of Boardwalk Empire and The Wire are well acquainted with the work of late actor Michael K. Williams, a Brooklyn drug dealer, was just sentenced to 10 years in prison, for his role in Williams death. Police say Irvin Cartagena was seen on video handing the drugs to Williams one day before the actor was found dead in his apartment in 2021. The U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York released a statement saying, although their product had already claimed one life, Cartagena and his co-conspirators continued to sell potentially lethal fentanyl-laced heroin. Cartagena pled guilty to several charges back in April, and on Friday, a judge sentenced him to 10 years behind bars. I'm Brian Shook. In California, actress Tori Spelling is recovering after reportedly being hospitalized last week. The reality star took to Instagram yesterday and shared a picture of her hand with an IV. She didn't give that many details but did say it was her fourth day in the hospital and per her hospital band, she was first admitted on August 17th. You could see that hospital band on the images. She's been in the headlines recently because apparently she and her husband lost their house out there in California. Of course, her parents and Father Aaron Spelling were famously loaded when Tori Spelling was growing up. But I guess she's been living a pretty modest life lately, living in motels. Um, She's been having some sort of trouble, and it's not entirely clear what the medical situation is. But um, that's the latest with Tori Spelling. A new study reveals the cleanest and dirtiest parts of New York City. This is per a website, House Fresh. They looked at sanitation complaints. They measured indoor air quality. A section of Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, ranked the dirtiest section. That was per sanitation complaints. Parts of Eltingville, Great Kills, and Pleasant Plains on Staten Island, along with a section of Hunts Point in the Bronx, also made the dirtiest list. And this is sort of a confusing part of this story, by the way, or maybe just ill-informed part for me because I'm not really sure sometimes where Nassau County officially begins and, and it seems to traverse maybe neighborhoods in Queens. I asked two different Long Island residents about this, one who lives in Belrose, right on the border, and he, I remember going to visit him one time, and I noticed there was NYC DOT muni meters on the block right around the corner from his house, so I was always a little confused by that. So anyway, this story about the cleanest sections of New York City lists New Hyde Park. Queens as one of the cleanest, but I thought that was in Nassau County. The other cleanest parts of the city include Roosevelt Island, parts of Stuytown, Town, Kipps Bay, Gramercy, and Flatiron in Manhattan. And then Floral Park is listed. At, but isn't again, isn't that Nassau County? So I don't know. Apparently, geography is not my strength. There is an arrest that was made as two men recover from being struck in the head by a man swinging a baseball bat in two separate attacks in Queens Saturday night. The first incident happened around 610 at Astoria Park. The New York Post reporting a 46-year-old man was struck in the back of the head by a man who then fled the scene on a skateboard. A second attack occurred a short time later, just blocks away at 19th and 20th Avenues. Police say a 79-year-old man was struck in the forehead by the same object and the same suspect at that, 36-year-old Matthew Lloyd, taken into custody. He does have a prior arrest record. A man arrested for gun trafficking charges here in the city found crime peed, but also put him behind bars.
2: Seven and a half years in prison for a North Carolina man for trafficking guns to New York City. Zaquan Guyard of Red Springs pleading guilty after selling multiple guns to undercover detectives in Harlem in broad daylight. He actually failed the background check trying to buy a gun in South Carolina, so he just bought them at. Pawn shops instead. Detectives say he doubled his money selling them illegally in the city. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News.
1: And that type of thing is something you hear New York City officials talk about all the time with the NYPD that iron pipeline where guns coming from southern states uh, make their way illegally into the city here and increase the number of guns out on the street. So, certainly a worthwhile uh, story in terms of what happened for that guy. Got arrested and seven and a half years behind bars. All right, WABC News time, 545. Let's check in yet again with executive producer Justin Ellick as we get the latest sports stories from around the Tri-State. Thank you, James football We'll
3: start here in the Bronx. Things actually managing to get worse for the Yankees over the weekend, getting swept by the rival Boston Red Sox after losing 6-5 to in yesterday's finale. A hey, Justin Turner ninth inning go-ahead double after an overturned call at the plate in the eighth uh, inning were the deciding factors. In the latest loss for the Yanks, they're now... The owners of an eight-game losing streak, the extent of which hasn't been seen in the Bronx in 28 years. Here was manager Aaron Boone following the game, preaching a one day at a time mentality. He always got a chance. Um,
0: we're in a big hole, though. You know, so uh, you know, but you can't even get
1: big picture about it. You just gotta tackle the next day. I mean, that's what we're in right now, where we're, you know, really scuffling, and it's it's one step at a time. Like that's that's so far out there, and we got to go on a run. You know, that it's get ready for Tuesday.
3: Scuffling indeed, the Yankees now sit at 16-64 overall and are nine games back of Seattle for the AL's last wild-card spot. After an after, uh, off day today, I should say, they'll welcome the Washington Nationals into the Bronx for a three-game set starting tomorrow night. As for the Mets, a 7-3 loss in yesterday's series finale against the Cardinals, Saturday weekend, where they took 3-4 of four from St. Louis. While the Mets came back down to earth, Pete Alonso did not, hammering his... 39th home run of the season in the fourth inning to give New York a brief lead. Not much else would come out of the bats from there on out, though, as the Mets will take the loss into a three-game series with the Braves set to begin tomorrow night in Atlanta following an off day today and preseason football from over the weekend. On Friday night, the Giants beat the Carolina Panthers at MetLife by a score of 21-9. to And on Saturday at MetLife as well, the Jets fell 13-6 to to the visiting Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
1: Here was Sports James on 77th WABC. I'm Justin Ellick. An animal you'd be more likely to find in Australia was recently rescued from the Coney Island boardwalk.
0: Maybe the dingo ate your baby.
1: No, not a dingo. The NYPD responded to reports of a person strolling down the boardwalk with a wallaby on Friday night. Members of the Six O precinct arrived and found the exotic animal with its presumed owner. Certainly a sight to see for New Yorkers, but wallabies are illegal to own in most states, and that includes New York. So the animal was taken to the Animal Care Center of New York City while its owner received a summons for possession of a wild marsupial former new york senator james buckley is dead having passed away at the age of 100 isn't it about time we had a senator buckley A clip from his 1970 ad as he ran for Senate here in New York, a member of the conservative party at the time. The former politician passed Friday at a hospital in Washington, the oldest living former senator at the time of his death. He later in life served as a Supreme Court circuit district judge and once unsuccessfully ran for Senate in Connecticut. So he's one of the few people to ever work for the judicial, legislative and executive branches all three. He worked in the Reagan administration in terms of the executive branch, and Reagan also made him a judge in the 80s. Buckley, you may recall, was the older brother of the late William F. Buckley, who founded the conservative magazine The National Review. Well, on Friday, marijuana licenses, new recreational marijuana licenses were blocked here in New York State following an earlier injunction, and this is based off a lawsuit a group of veterans filed alleging that New York State's Policy is unconstitutional when it comes to granting new marijuana licenses because, in essence, officials made it so that people with prior convictions under marijuana laws were prioritized in getting new licenses. So the judge says, in his opinion, that the law is kind of like unenforceable, that really authorities don't have an ability to differentiate effectively between legal and illegal marijuana operations, and as we talk about that new york city is launching a crackdown effort to try to stop some of these illegal pot shops uh, officials with the nypd arguing it's not so much that you know cannabis itself increases crime but they feel as though the presence of that illegal activity and all the cash that's on hand while being associated with an illegal enterprise is what does attract criminal activity on Long Island, Republican Congressman George Santos is speaking out, saying, as of now, he would not take a plea deal.
4: The New York Republican faces 13 criminal charges in connection to alleged financial crimes. Fox 5's Good Day New York asked him about a plea deal to which he responded that he is fighting to prove his innocence.
0: You have the burden of proving innocence and you should go fight for but that. But it's a
4: distraction.
0: I well, mean, no, it- it's not. It's a distraction if you don't have a legal team. I have a legal team, but that's their job. My job is to work, right? Yeah. I- I'm not a lawyer.
4: Santos is accused of communicating to campaign donors that their money would go towards campaign ads, but instead using them for personal expenses. He faces 20 years in prison if convicted. I'm Liz Radabali for WABC News.
1: WABC News time, 5.52. James Flippin filling in this morning for Noah Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. news hour. So let's get back into our top stories here. New York City subways, buses, and commuter trains now cost you more. Fare hikes for the MTA took effect yesterday Riders finding it all pretty hard to deal with. The fares should be going down. They're dirty.
2: They smell. I have no idea where it all goes. Into someone's pocket, maybe. They should look and see what they're really wasting their money on.
3: Price is going up too much. Your paycheck is not increasing.
1: The base fare for subway and buses now up from $2.75 to two ninety. LIRR, Metro North fares going up 4.5%. And all the while, congestion pricing remains an unknown in terms of who might get exemptions or exactly how much it's going to cost. Come spring 2024, motorists expected to pay to enter Manhattan south of 60th Street. Two fires raged in Brooklyn yesterday, but it doesn't look like they're of the e-bike variety. There was a Brownsville apartment fire that left three young children in critical condition. They were trapped in a room. Their father accused of leaving them alone. This was around 11 o'clock on Sunday morning. And dad has been charged with three counts of endangering the welfare of a child. Those children aged four, five and four, five and eight, excuse me were on the 14th floor of the building in Brownsville. The other fire was in Williamsburg, in South Williamsburg, a six-alarm blaze that destroyed nine stores in total. Ten firefighters hurt, two seriously, but none of them suffered life-threatening injuries. President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden are set to visit Hawaii today. A number of residents not pleased over what they're calling an inadequate federal response, officially the death toll is at 114 right now. There's plenty of controversy over whether or not the city of Lahaina and in Maui in general, should they have used their emergency sirens, which are most typically used for wildfire, or not wildfire, tsunamis. And there was some question as to whether or not they should have been used. Now, Hawaii's governor, Josh Green, is saying he wishes they had been used. He was speaking on CBS's Face the Nation this weekend.
0: Of course, I as a person, as a father, as a doctor. As, I wish all the sirens went off.
1: So we told you that there's been obviously ongoing search efforts uh, with regards to looking for more people. Officially 114 people are dead. They're also saying don't drink the tap water in Maui. Power restoration efforts have been slow. And right now we also know that the head of FEMA, Deanne Criswell, is heading to Hawaii along with President Biden. She was on CNN State of the Union this weekend, said FBI, Department of Defense officials, they're all being brought in to help account for the missing.
4: To help identify and also reunify people that may be in shelters, may have gone somewhere else, making sure that we can work together to identify who is still unaccounted for, where people are.
1: Tropical Storm Hillary in Southern California bringing potentially life-threatening flooding throughout the Southwest. At last check, the National Hurricane Center had clocked Hillary's maximum sustained winds at 40 miles per hour. Heavy rainfall expected, but the storm also has the potential to spawn tornadoes in parts of California, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. And there's been significant flash floodings in spots, and especially in perhaps in Mexico's Baja, California, and more than a thousand flights canceled yesterday. All the while in Southern California, while they were bracing for that tropical storm, a hurricane, uh, I should say it was the hurricane, an earthquake hit, a magnitude 5.1 earthquake that hit around 3 o'clock yesterday near the town of Ojai. No significant damage reported, no injuries reported in that, but certainly shook people up while they were waiting on that storm. In New York City, a new migrant tent city opened on Randall's Island, and there were a number of people arrested over the weekend as 200 raucous demonstrators gathered outside a former Staten Island nursing home, which is being considered for a new migrant center, the former Midland Beach nursing home. WABC's own Curtis slewa one of those, rested there, his second migrant-related bust in less than a week. And up in SUNY Buffalo, 44 migrants have been evicted from what was called a temporary housing solution at campus housing there. And right now, Buffalo State says they're trying to help find space for those migrants. By the way, the agency contracted by New York City to help with asylum seekers says there are no more plans to send migrants to Erie County, which is where Buffalo is located, according to Doc Go an organization that shifted from COVID vaccines and testing to assisting in the migrant crisis. More than 100,000 migrants have come to New York City. Around 500 of them were sent up to Erie County. Let's check in with executive producer Justin Alec. He's got details on what's coming up on Sid and Friends in the morning.
3: Thank you, James. Bottom of each hour on this Monday morning edition of the best morning show in New York City. You don't want to miss our WABC a clip of the day. The Cats Roundtable with John Katzmatidis today. In the way of guests, 6:45 this morning, kicking things off. It'll be Jim Kerr, 7:05 in here in studio, I should say. Curtis Sleewood joining Sid, as is the case every day here on the program, 7:40. It'll be Rich Lowry for his weekly Monday morning segment with Sid, 845 this morning, Lara Trump on the program, and 910 this morning, wrapping things out on your Monday morning. It'll be Mark
1: Molinaro. There you go, James, your Monday morning edition, Sid and Friends, coming right at you. That's a program for sure. So that's Justin Ellick. I'm James Flippin. Always a pleasure and treat to fill in for Noam Laden on the WABC 5 a.m. hour. It's August 21st, 70 degrees, clear skies in Manhattan. And looks like the start of a beautiful weather week here in New York City. You might even say it looks spectacular. Coming up, it's Sid and Friends in the Morning with Sid Rosenberg.